0: Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for interrupting us today in our busyness and drawing us here, Lord, for our uh, being strong enough and healthy enough just to make it through these doors. God, we ask that your spirit would open your word to us in new and refreshing ways in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Well, you are here in the midst of a sermon series called Pardon the Interruption, and we are in week two. And if you look at the scripture section, you're thinking, well, the shepherds, that's one I usually get right around Christmas time. And you're right. I was supposed to preach this on December 22nd. Pastor John was going to preach this week. He had the flu all week. So finally on Thursday, we said, we're going to flip those. So here's what we're going to do. I'm actually only focusing on the first part of that reading because my plan was and still is to finish those verses on Christmas Eve. So you're going to have quite a span, but we're going to start with the beginning of Luke 2 here, these first middle verses. And then I invite you back. You ready for this? 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Trying to draw to that service, right? So drink some coffee, come back, and hear the rest then. So we're starting. If you want to follow along, outline is in your bulletin. You can open the you version app, click on your location, and it'll pop up the sermon with all the answers in there as well. So question for you. What do you do when life gets challenging? What do you do when life gets challenging for you? Because you know it does, it will, it has been, it's going to happen again. There's an Italian gentleman, older gentleman, who was living alone, widowed. His son Vincent used to live with him, but Vincent uh, was in prison now. And so it was winter time, and he was planning ahead. You know, the older guy was thinking, you know what, I, I really want to plant... My tomato garden again this spring. And I need to get out there and kind of loosen up the soil and do some digging. But he realized that he was just getting so old that his fingers were hurting. You know, his, his elbows. His, he didn't think he had enough strength to dig up that backyard. He was really despondent, and really sad. Like, What am I going to do? He's like, well, you know what? Vinny used to always help me. I'm going to write him a letter. So he wrote him a letter in prison. And it says, dear Vinny, I'm getting older I miss you and I miss your help. I don't think I'll be able to actually dig the backyard up and get it tilled and ready to plant my tomatoes. I really miss you and I'm sad. Love, Papa. So Vinny thought, well, what can I do? You know, I'm going to go ahead and write him a letter back. So he says, Dear Papa, I'm sorry I can't be there in person to help you, but I warn you, no matter what you do, don't dig up the backyard because the bodies are there. So about 4 a.m. the next morning, there's a slew of FBI and local police officers that are in this guy's backyard with tractors and backhoes. They're digging the whole thing up. And just before lunchtime, they come in, and they say, sir, we're so sorry. We found nothing in your backyard. Sorry to disturb you. And about four o'clock that same day, he goes and checks the mailbox and gets another letter. He says, dear Papa, I knew I couldn't be there in person, so I did the best thing I could to help. Hope you enjoy now, I was pretty creative, right? When life gets challenging, you do what you can do. And a lot of times when we get those challenges, they come to us. We are taught in our society to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You are going to fix this yourself. The first thing when you get a challenge, usually you look inside. How can I fix this? I'm not going to talk to anybody yet. And then maybe you go to somebody, and then usually third or later down the line, you ask God, or maybe not at all. So the, the big question should be, because we, we failed this miserably, when I have challenges and I can't figure it out, and I mess it up. Not as the question, what do I do? But what does God do when life gets challenging? Because, you know, when you look at Scripture and you look at your track record and you look closely, God is always doing something in your life. And when you have challenges, he is always there working in, with, and around your problem, your situation. And it's either do we recognize it, do we rely on him, do we let that happen, or do we not? What what does God do when your life gets challenging? Here's what he does. Since we're talking about pardon the interruption, he startles you with an interruption. He startles you with an interruption. And I know there's a reason I'm preaching this week instead of in three weeks, because guess what happened this week? I had a major interruption. Thursdays. Thursdays, in case you didn't know it, are my day off. So I work on Sundays, right? Sometimes on Saturdays, you name it. So Thursdays are that day. It's like, this is my Sabbath rest. This is where I take a break uh, from society, hopefully, just a little bit. You know, I I cut off the technology for a while. And so this is what Thursdays usually look like. Family gets up at 5.50. I get up with them, uh, get some coffee, go have my Jesus time, just wonderful time with the Lord, prayer, read, read, you you name it. Then I come out, I tell them bye. And this particular Thursday, then I went out to work out and start rowing. Then I get in the shower. And all of a sudden, my, my watch is vibrating. figure am like, what's this? And it's my, like my son, Andy. Like high schoolers never call. They may be but but he called and he left a message. Oh, this is out of the ordinary, extraordinary. And then his mom texts this and that. So it turns out Andy had a stomachache. And they think it could be his appendix, right? So they call me and say, hey, we don't know what this is. We're going to call the doctor and see, but we'll let you know okay? It's not a peaceful day anymore. Interruption occurred. So I thought, okay, I love my little guy. Whatever I can do, let me know. So a couple hours later, we're heading to Cook's. We're going there to ER. So I thought, okay, well, I've changed my day up. I go there. And a little while later, turns out, after he gets a sonogram, we find out he's not pregnant, but the sonogram (laughs) tells us that he does have a problem with his appendix. going to be taken out, you know, and and, then the the lady, I love it because she comes at the nurse's See, by law, this day, this crazy, crazy day and age we live, they can't tell him that he needs to get surgery. The doctor has to come in and officially tell him. But she's like, hey, go ahead and start taking your stuff off. Here's a robe and don't make any plans for tonight. Like, uh, I said, does that mean he's having it? Well, I can't say anything, but don't mean I'm like, okay. So that's how it goes. So anyway, fast forward, surgery that evening, about nine o'clock, He's rolling in there, 8 to 9 o'clock. He's in the recovery room, and, you know, he's on these drugs. And we we told him, we said, hey, you've never been under? This is going to be like honesty truth serum gas. And so we said, instead of busting yourself out, tell us just be thinking about your brother. And we want to know everything about Nathan that you can tell us. (laughs) He didn't say anything about Nathan. Like, oh, man, it didn't work. So anyway, Nathan must be such a good guy. There's nothing to share. So this is what happened. We're all around there. It's, it's, it's mom, dad, stepdad, stepmom. There's a four of us around his bed. And at some point after, you know, you can just see his heart. And he's like, I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> like you're our kid, right? He's like, thank you. He's like, I feel so loved. I just so appreciate y'all being there. And I thought with the four of us standing around there, I thought there would be nothing, nothing that would ever make us do that except a startling interruption from God. We were able in that snapshot of a moment to all be around Andy and let him know how much we love him and him to share that back. And, you know, God does allow things to happen sometimes that maybe we don't have in our plans at all. That was not planned on Thursday. That was a startling interruption. You know, God does that all the time. He does that all the time in your life. You have plans and they're probably good plans. They're good plans. You're going to do something for somebody. They're good. And yet God says, slow down there. I am sending an interruption. So he does this in our text today in Luke chapter 2. And here's the first verse, verse 8. Luke writes, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Some of you may have heard this hundreds of times. If you've been to Christmas Eve services, if you've watched Charlie Brown, if no matter if you have this verse in your head, you're like, oh, I've heard this so many times. But do you ever get tired of your kids saying I love you? Do you ever wish your spouse would come home and and not tell you they love you? You love hearing that, right? Well, same thing with this. This is a good thing for us to hear again. So when it says that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, nearby what? Well, the verses before just tell us that there's this baby named Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem in a little manger. And so nearby in Bethlehem are these shepherds. And so I got some pictures here for you to kind of get an idea of what it looks like to be nearby where Jesus is nearby in Bethlehem. So this, these are the hills, one of the hills outside of modern day Bethlehem. Notice what you don't see. You don't see the big piney woods of East Texas with the soft ground with all those pines you could just sleep on like a baby. You don't see any shade trees. You see a lot of rough, rocky terrain. And some of the rocks are so big, you can't tell if it's a sheep or a rock there. This is where these shepherds found themselves. And to just add on to that, this next one will show you kind of how far out they were. Right? Those houses close there look like they're pretty new. So they probably weren't there. But you got the city up there on that hill. And then way out in the distance, you have the shepherds and their flocks. And so it says that they were keeping watch nearby, nearby at night. And listen what happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. (laughs) Well, yeah, wouldn't you be? You're out there in this peaceful place, a little rocky, maybe you're, you're having a trouble getting a place for your back as you're trying to sleep against this rock, and an angel appeared to them, and they were terrified. Why? They most likely did not expect it. In fact, let me just tell you uh, about this lowly class of shepherds. You know, in this day and age, we go out to Wyoming and we're in Johnson County where we go, this is sheep country. all sorts of shepherds out there. These, these guys. They drive these 350, big old dually, you know, Ford pickups, $70,000, $80,000 trucks. And they're, they're doing it. I mean, these sheep must be getting some serious wool out there in Wyoming. But anyway, uh, these guys, they're pretty good characters from what you see. They're, pretty, they're doing well. But the shepherds back in Jesus' time, a whole different ballgame. Okay, just the class of where they lived. If you were a shepherd back then, right, most people lived in town with people. You live out of the town with animals. You didn't see any showers there. If you're a shepherd, you're nomadic. People, Your friends and family, they can't find you. Well, he was on this hill last week, and I don't know where he is. And quite frankly, nobody really went looking for the shepherds because they were known as a group, usually as thieves, conniving individuals, and they didn't tell the truth a lot in general. In fact, the shepherds were not allowed to be in the presence of the temple and church because of their uncleanliness. The shepherds were not allowed at this time to actually testify and give witness in court because they were lying a lot of the time. They weren't believed. So you get the idea? Nobody came looking for shepherds. But God did. Maybe you're in that class today. Maybe you look at the world and you think, there's seven and a half billion people. I believe there's a God, but there is no reason in the world that he would be thinking of me. I have done this, said this, thought this. It's going to be with me in my grave and I'm so low. Why would God come to me? But he's doing it. Today, just by you hearing this, God is startling you with an interruption. He is coming to you right now and he is speaking to you through this and said that he cares about you. And the one thing he's saying is, don't be terrified. Don't, don't be terrified. Now an angel, an angel we know in scripture is a messenger of God. So when we see angels come up, usually people are terrified because this thing, a, mes- a, a spiritual being created by God to do his work and to be his messenger is coming on the scene. We usually have two main angels that we get named in the Bible. We have Michael who's Archangel Michael, and usually he's bringing some fire and swords. And like, if Michael's coming, you better get your swords on. If Gabriel's coming, he came a lot in Jesus' you know, birth scenes, he's usually bringing some good news. Okay? So you got an angel here bringing some, some amazing things. Say, don't, be a, don't be terrified. Now, why? Why can they not be terrified? Or how could they, that even be possible? Here's, here's why. is God, when he interrupts, he usually interrupts bad news with good news. And here's how we know this. Think about these shepherds. How I explain their existence to you, do you think they usually receive bad news or good news? Bad news. People don't like them. They can't be a part of. No one's coming to tell them anything. And there's, they're up all night long and all day trying to just protect their sheep from all these predator animals that are out there. You name it. Wolves, you name it. And they get bad news quite often. Maybe you do too. But God, God interrupts Bad news with good news. He always does. Look at this next verse. It says, but the angel, okay, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So notice the first thing the angel says. God knows that, hey, when you go down there, you're going to have this great news to tell about Jesus, but the first thing you better say to them is, hey, don't be afraid. And this happens all over in the Bible. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they see angels, but oh, afraid you would too i don't know if i should say this in church but i'm thinking they were so terrified my grandpa used to say they probably filled their britches right <laughs> bad news they are scared it's angel says don't be afraid do you know god knows you so well that when you get an interruption when you get startled you have one plan going and you got all this stuff and all of a sudden you're like no i got this phone call i can't believe that i got this diagnosis i just thought well, what happened here do you know that God knows you're scared immediately? That's that's like our go-to feeling. Don't be afraid. Why is that? Because our plan has been interrupted. What, the security that we thought we had built around us has been interrupted. And God is saying, I have this. I'm interrupting you for a reason. I'm allowing this to happen. Don't be afraid. In fact, when you look in Scripture, over 150 times in the Bible, over 150 times this this. Command, imperative, is don't be afraid. So if you're afraid, you're not different. You're not alone. You're not odd. You're not weird. You're a child of God. And he knows that those that he comes to sometimes can be afraid. He don't be afraid. And why is this? Because I bring you good news that will be a cause. So this good news is going to cause something. It's going to do something. It's going to bring great joy to all people. Do you know I thoroughly studied the Greek? And the word all in Greek means all. It really does. All people. Do we live that way, my friends? It's just for me, my family, my church. Am I going to invite anybody to the blue Christmas tomorrow night? Am I going to invite anybody to the nativity? Who has God put on my mind for this? This is for all people. If you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, you're not a believer, this is for you. God didn't come and segment this out. He came to the shepherds. This is for all people, and it's good news. Now, I want to focus on this bad news, good news for a second. The world usually gives us bad news, right? How many of you, like, get your news from here? So you younger folks, uh, we used to get our news back in the days from something called a newspaper newspaper. Newspaper, right? News on paper. So we used to get newspaper, and now we get most of our stuff on here. And when you normally open this, is it good news or bad news? Yeah, it usually, I mean, they say good news doesn't sell. I beg to differ. People are hurting. They need good news. But a lot of times it's like bad news. You're reading bad news, bad news. In fact, someone once said, you know, when you're looking down, you see bad news. If you need good news, you need to look up. We spend most of our life like this, When we should be like that. And God brings good news. And it's, it's, it's not anything complicated, but it's so elusive at times. Because think about it. Our world, you talk to people who don't know Jesus, they know something's wrong. Our world knows there's problems. That's why we try to fix it with all sorts of things, with politics, with, you know, uh, medicine, you name it. And some things work for a while. They work for a while. But there are all sorts of different teachings that people will put out there and say, well, you know what? I don't believe in Jesus, but I have this teaching that will help bring you good news. Here's just a few of them. One of them is atheism. Okay. This is one of those on the rise. Atheism. It's the idea that there's no God. There's no purpose. There's no uh, soul. There's nothing after you die. There's just nothing. Is that good news or bad news? Yeah. You don't even have to answer That's like, duh. Yeah. Bad news. Then there's something called deism. Okay. Deism. These are words we don't use, but it's things that we think. It's how we think. And how we, we process, sometimes people process our culture. Deism, is, you might recognize this, is basically, you know, God is far away. There may be a God, but he's far away. He's like a deadbeat dad, like a deadbeat uh, landlord. You know, you really can't contact him and he doesn't really have a lot of care for you. He just kind of puts you up, wound you, and then you go and hopefully things go well. And then there's something called Pantheism. This is more like the Star Wars force thing, pantheism, where basically there's this spirit and there's a good part of the spirit. There's an evil spirit that kind of rules everything. And this spirit is in everything and in you and it's in the trees and you name it. And hopefully you find your path uh, as you focus on that. The final one I'll share with you, which is good news, but bad news, which they think is good news uh, in the world. And it's called religion. What? See, there's a difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. Religion doesn't just mean Christianity. Religion means any other form out there that is teaching you that here's a set of behaviors that will help you make things right with God, right? Religion of reincarnation, Buddhism, right? Hinduism, religion in, even in some Christian circles. You do this, this, and this. You check that off and maybe you'll please God enough. But the hard thing about this is that in any of these religions, how will you ever know at the end of your life if you've done enough? You won't. Now, to me, that's not good news. Jesus is good news. In fact, this good news has a name. It's called the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that he entered this world as a little baby. He thought about us. He loved us. He came in a humble way, and he lived in a way so that he could proclaim good news to you. And here's that good news, that God interrupts chaos with peace. God interrupts your chaotic heart, your spirit, your mind with peace. How many of you live in chaos? How many of you actually live to create chaos? You're like, not me, but it happens all around me. I can't get away from it. I don't know. I walk into a room, it's chaotic. I mean, everybody's quiet. Then I leave, it's like a mess. I get into a conversation. I'm always arguing with somebody. I mean, it's just, what's going on? Some of us actually live in so much chaos that when actually peace comes, whether it's for one hour or one day, like, this is uncomfortable. I have to start something. So you go poke your brother or sister. You know what I mean? like, like chaos sometimes is like a drug that we can't live without. We've all been there in certain pockets of our life. Like, I need chaos. And yet God knows that we need peace. And so God brings peace amongst the chaos. This is how he interrupts. He's like, okay, I'm going to actually insert myself in your life. I'm going to interrupt you and startle you to bring peace. So fast forward, because I'm going to cover the rest of this text on Christmas Eve. So fast forward to another text. Jesus born. Jesus lives 30 years, starts his public ministry. In Luke chapter four, one of my favorite parts of Luke. So two chapters later, Luke chapter four, Luke tells us that Jesus went to church. It says, he went to the synagogue that day, as was his custom. I love it. Jesus went to church on a regular basis. You're in a good place. Jesus did it probably good for you. So he goes to church. They realize by then this guy has something more than uh, there's some, there's, there's not anything left in the other room. It's here. It's Jesus. Jesus. And they realize that, so they're like, hey, we, we honor you. So why don't you take the scroll, we're going to hand it to you, and you read the reading for the day. So it unrolls the scroll, and it's Isaiah 61. And this is a startling interruption for them. It's not by happenstance or accident, but Jesus was there, and here's what he said. He, he reads this text, and he says, today this is being fulfilled in your hearing because he's fulfilling it. And here's the text, these three verses, love them. says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me. That means set aside, chosen, okay, anointed. You are set aside, Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, you might think, that's not for me. I got lots of money. Whether you have money or not, you're poor in spirit. Quite often, aren't we? You're poor in your mind. We need Jesus. So, good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Not sure if you've ever been brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. I'm not sure if you've ever been captive, but I know that my mind captivates me a lot. Can't get rid of those thoughts. And to release from darkness the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, right? This is the, the year of Jubilees. You got a seven-year, then you got a 49, 50-year thing. You got this, this is where all the debts were canceled. So Jesus is making this connection to the Old Testament. He's like, and I'm here to cancel your debts. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. To comfort all who mourn. I know, I know we mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy. Here's that joy again. Instead of mourning. And a garment, right? Cover. You think of the garment of Jesus covering us. His blood covering us, right? A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I mean, this just kids get better and better, right? I mean, you're like, I didn't feel that, but I felt that. I'm there. Um, this is like reading my mail. And they will be called, and love this, oaks of righteousness. And who plants them? Planted by the Lord. You don't create this yourself. God plants you. He's the one that makes you strong. He's the one that makes you an oak of righteousness, right? This is all about what God is doing for you. And this is what? For the display of his splendor. So look how amazing God is loving me, who's ostracized, outcast. I'm worse than a shepherd. I've made mistakes, but God loves me. He is startling me with an interruption. I could go on, but I'm going to finish with this. Will you startle someone with good news and peace this year? Your name is not Vinny. You're not in prison. You've been released. Your mind, everything has been released. God has forgiven you and he's given you a message. He's given you good news. Back in the days when this Oyangalien, the gospel, the good news was proclaimed, literally messengers would run out. They'd ride out and say, Oiengalion, Oiengalion, I have good news from the king. And people would know when they hear that word good news, they're like, yes, bring it on. There are people out there that are hurting. There are people who don't even realize they need to be startled by you, God doing it. Their chaos needs to stop and they need to find hope. And you may be that only person that can pleasantly interrupt their day with Jesus. Looking forward to seeing what God does in your lives, how He's going to do that, and interrupting maybe your day so that you can interrupt someone else. Amen.